Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. the story yeah guys my car got totaled this week what what my car got totaled so no. i went and saw um a horror movie don't breathe and i came like <gasps> home and this vicious tree who's <laughs> had it in for me for for so long just came over and crushed my car and insurance came and totaled it. So, yeah, I'm going to be going car shopping this weekend. Or we may just figure out how to keep driving it. So, Are you sure that you oh, haven't no. made any druids angry over the past week that might have caused this to happen? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. The Blair Witch. Uh, yeah. We do live in Massachusetts, Steve. Um, so it's it's very possible. I'm more afraid of wild turkeys than, than the Blair Witch, to be honest. No, but, that movie scared the bejesus out of me. Oh, I didn't watch the movie. I'm just scared of turkeys because they're evil. Okay. My 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 car is from it's a it's a 2004 uh, Dodge Stratus and um, it was parked outside of work one day back when I used to work uh, at, at, at a place that's not my house and sorry, someone someone ran like I was parked and I was not in my car at all and someone was going to their dentist appointment and hit the accelerator instead of the brake and ran into the back of my car and basically like kind of collapsed it in on on itself but it's just like it's just like the trunk and the 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 butt of the car so to speak anywho um, so Micah can you say something to me this is really important I need for you to say I drive a Dodge Stratus, and I know you're too young to get that reference, but can you please do that for me right here on the show? I drive a Dodge Stratus. Do you know what that's from? No. Oh! I guess I'm too young also. You didn't watch Saturday Night Live, the Sarah Michelle Gellar episode oh, where she's I starring? Oh, I don't like and, Saturday yeah. Night Live. Oh. Uh, Buffy. But I'll have to look that up now afterward because I just uh, did a search and I see that there's a YouTube video of it. Um, yeah. So, anywho, yeah. that it was uh, because my car is so old; it's obviously not worth a lot of money. I took it into the place, you know, with through the other lady's insurance paid for it, um, or they were going oh, to pay lucky. for it. They were going oh. to pay for it, except oh. that my car wasn't worth as much as the damage would have cost. The damage oh. to like fix it would have been five thousand dollars, and so they they totaled it too. But because I'm driving my car until it basically goes away, like it just stops working, yeah. is no big deal. I just keep it. Um, so that, that that's one option uh, now that it's been totaled because it was kind of the same thing where your car still runs. You just had some cosmetic damage on the side, but yeah, it just it looks was, like. Uh, uh, it looks like it looks battle scarred. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's like from Mad Max. That's all. Yeah. It just yeah. says, "Don't mess with me." Right, right. Which is the right message you want to send if you're driving through Boston traffic. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you, you need. To, I mean, it's like it's like going to jail. Like you need to take out right, like the right. most dangerous car on the Mass Pike, right? So that they know right, not to mess right. with you. <laughs> right, and then no one will park near you. You always have a good parking spot. 
Those scars and, say, I am not afraid to ram you if I have to. I know those cars on the Mass Pike. I give them a wide, wide berth. I know that they've seen some stuff, and I don't want to get involved with them. That's true. Your car's seen some things. Yeah, yeah and mine mine looks like that, too, in the back. And it ended up that I could kind of pop it back out, and it was fine. But again, it, it's totaled because it was going to be too expensive to get it all fixed or whatever. So mm-hmm. I took the payout and put it into savings, and I still drive it around, and everything's fine. And like I said, I'm just I don't care about cars really, other than using them as transportation. So it's my transportation from here to there, and I don't really care that, about that's it. Great. Otherwise. Hey, hold anyway. on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. This sounds like a Shia LaBeouf motivational video. That's it. That's exactly the era it's from. So yeah, yeah. Oh God, Micah! I drive a Dodge Stratus. I drive a Dodge Stratus. I have a degree, and I drive a Dodge Stratus. (laughs) That's that's Uh, the entire joke. I can't believe you guys don't know that. That's like a classic. I really don't. (gasps) We now need to to all take. Like, what era Saturday Night Live was that from? Uh, When Sarah Michelle Gellar was like the the hotness. So uh, that was any time in the last twenty years. Right, it's still going on, but like when she was uh, really like blazing hot, like the Cruel Intentions era, oh, which okay. by the way is a, a movie with a lot of literary merit. Yeah. You should go watch it with your I've children. I've actually tonight. seen that movie, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's I've good. seen clips of that movie. Yeah, good that's a good movie. That's, that's a, yeah. that's, that is high cinema, is what that is. I agree. Hi, cinema. So let's talk about artificial intelligence because that's a segue. Uh, a, a while back. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you know what's high cinema? Artificial Ew. intelligence. Ew. I, I, was, I wouldn't take it that far. That's, that's real bad. That's real bad. Uh, uh, see, if we had artificial so intelligence, we would already know that you drove a Dodge Stratus. Yeah, chances are if you uh, listen to this podcast, you may have at least seen a little bit of uh, news about how Apple has been working toward machine learning for quite some time. Uh, And it's just kind of been something that they pretty much kept a secret. Uh, since, what was it, 2014, uh, they decided to double down on their efforts to to make Siri more powerful in your phone and, uh, again, to, to, to make machine learning a very important part of the platform. Well, uh, you know, people still have complaints about Siri. I still have my complaints about Siri. I think sometimes Siri doesn't understand what I want and what I need, but Sorry, it has I don't gotten understand. better. <laughs> I, I can't help you with that. Uh, so Siri tries, but um, there was a post on Lean Crew, which was Dr. Drang's blog, about how, you know, we've, we've still got kind of a, a, a long way to go. Um, so can, can I say something with that, Micah? I, I, I feel like I have to object a little ethically here. And, you know, it's like we, we had two links in the show, and the first one was like this really long, well-sourced article that like quotes Apple employees, which is really hard to do and goes into a lot of detail 
about how that system has been upgraded over the years. And um, then we have a story from a dude that had a bad experience driving that's screaming about it. And I just don't think that should be the headline yeah. here. Like, well, I think there's a, a lot of technical meat in the, the real story here. Well, I think it's actually it's actually kind of interesting how that's the kind of the that's the conundrum that Apple's gotten themselves into, though. Right. Because right. like they put I mean, from this article, I was actually really surprised at the amount of work that they're doing and the yeah. number of things that uh, that they've begun to implement has touched. I mean, talking about the the palm detection when you're using a pencil on the iPad Pro, for instance. And yeah. the problem that Apple has is that the nobody sees any of that, right? When it when machine learning really works, it's like a good bass player in a rock band. Like if they're really good, you don't know that they're there. And the problem that Apple has right now, whenever we have the machine learning conversation, is there there are two things that come up. One of them is the whole privacy thing that they're trying to solve with differential privacy that we've talked about in the past. The other one is that Siri just falls down a lot. And Siri is what most people equate with machine learning for Apple. So and I mean, there are some people who have very good experiences. I can tell you just today I was every day that I leave the office, I call Maureen and tell her I'm leaving. And if she's at, you know, has the kids or come on, she can't talk. Then I text her and say leaving work every single day. And today it says, you know, I, I say call Maureen iPhone. Which phone number do you want to call? And it's the kind of thing that, you know, if the machine learning was really working, the way that I would expect it to, you should. That's a question that Siri shouldn't have to ask, you know. So it's like, even though there's all this machine learning that you don't see, the perception is Siri, and Siri, for you know, for as far as it's come, still has a lot of problems doing kind of basic expected things. Can can I say something about that? Sure. I I feel very strongly that Siri has been unfairly maligned. By Apple, I, 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 I've never felt like they've gotten the credit that they, they, they need. I use Siri constantly, like driving, texting, answering email, dictating stuff. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff I send to our chat is like we're planning the show is using Siri, and I'm not going to tell you it's perfect, but I can tell you it's absolutely gotten much faster and much better since you know they debuted it. And I just, I feel like it's one of these things, Steve, where it's exactly like you say, like that one mistake is going to be the thing you think about and you don't think about all the times that it does work. Um, you know, if you go into this article, which I would really encourage our readers to do, you know, it talks about you know, neural learning nets, like these processors to go through and like start piecing things together. And you know, just how they had this system that didn't really work and they were um, outsourcing from here in Boston, nuances, uh, voice dictation software. And then they aggressively hired some of the best people in the entire world. Now they have this very large group of people and they've just completely overhauled their algorithms with it. So I just, it, 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 you know, and this isn't aimed at you, Micah, but when I read something from, you know, Dr. Drang, that's complaining about how Siri didn't know he was driving down one side of the road, it really gets me kind of frustrated because I don't think it's fair to all the really clear improvement that I do see. 
Yeah, and you know, I I didn't get a chance to to go far enough to, <laughs> sorry, to talk about sorry. this. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, I was yeah, I was yeah. gonna say like you know I'm I'm expect because the the headline is machine not learning, and I'm expecting this you know thought, well thought out post, and it's going to be talking about how uh, you know the algorithms are doing this or doing that, and it ends up being a post about a complaint that I he was driving down the road and Siri said to go north when he was going south, and that means meant the whole thing was ruined and yeah. to me that's that's silly <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah i absolutely agree with you i think that that to, to suddenly just kind of go against this entire beautiful uh, in in looks and in research and in all of this stuff this really well done uh piece and all the stuff that apple's been doing since 2014 to make this thing awesome and the fact that siri works multilingually and still keeps up so much of this, uh, you know, this, these smarts that you, you can't just, I, I think you can't just cast that aside because Siri said go north when you're heading south. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a little ridiculous. And I was honestly more disappointed than anything because I was like, I hope, I think this might be interesting. We've got some science and math here. No, right. just yeah. going <laughs> south instead of north. Right. Georgia, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I think that Apple didn't un, really look into uh, human nature and when we're using something that we're going to rely on, we really need it to work um, 95, like maybe 90, depending on how important it is to 95% of the time. If not, we're going to be really frustrated and upset with the experience to that. And so humans have a natural um, negativity bias. And that's the notion that things of equal intensity being negative in nature or unpleasant will have a greater effect on our psychological state than processes that will have a neutral or positive effect upon us. And because we care so greatly about our phones that the 10 times that Siri works would almost be negated by three times that Siri does not work. And because we care so much about our phones, these are very strong emotional reactions to us. I remember Renee doing a podcast and he's like telling Siri to turn on the lights and maybe Siri just doesn't understand his Canadian. But like all through the podcast, like we're bursting out laughing because Siri never turned on the lights. And it was kind of funny. And this was a funny experience to that. But I sent out a tweet um, which was, uh, I don't, we don't have to worry about um, Siri being the beginning of the uh, robot apocalypse because Siri at one point was asked, uh, it doesn't look like you have an app named App Store. If you'd like someone asked to open the App Store, it's like, it doesn't look like you have an app named App Store. If you'd like, I can help you look for it on the App Store. Um, and it's just kind of funny. So it's one of those things that it's getting better. And I think that people don't understand that you know, Google spends a lot, like, I think that, again, it was a little bit of a marketing snafu in some ways, because Siri was released when truly it was in a beta mode, because it was such a new technology that we were getting into. And we don't want to lose our privacy or our information in order to make machine learning become really, really good. And so I think that that's a really good trade-off to it. And often Siri works wonderfully, but because of that negativity bias, we're going to remember those times when it doesn't work and we're going to be furiously angry. And we're not just angry that it doesn't work. We're angry at Siri and then we're angry at Apple and then we're angry at our phones and then we're angry at our mates. And because of that, we hold that very strongly. You're angry at your mate? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn it. Thanks. Siri is down. I've had people yell at their mates. 
because their phone wasn't working and it goes down. People okay. like it's like the third person in a relationship, their phone. The problem that Apple has is that users don't care about the stuff that they care about. And and which is not to say that the stuff that they're doing is not important because it is. Like the kind of stuff that they're doing to figure out if it's your palm touching, you know, touching the the screen or a finger is that's that's some pretty sophisticated stuff and it's the kind of thing that me, you know, being on top of this didn't really realize that that was, you know, fueled by machine learning which would is you know, kind of intuitive when you think about it. But the problem is that the the one thing that they've been pushing forward as the example for machine learning is Siri to the point where they're using that as the, you know, the name for the predictions that are coming from the operating system. And users don't under users expect it to work 100% of the time, not 95% of the time. Like we've been looking, I, one of the things I've been doing lately is looking into some content analytics solutions. Like you like, you remember when Watson was on Jeopardy? A couple I years do. Ago. Yeah. So, yeah. It was the same era that uh, the Dodge Stratus yeah. came out on Saturday Night <laughs> so, Live. So I'm not looking, joking. It was. Yeah. yeah. So we've been looking at that uh, pretty intensely. And, and one of the things that you, you hear when you talk to these vendors is, well, it's never going to work 100 percent of the time. And the one question that I asked them to find out how good they are as a vendor is, OK, I get as an IT person that it's going to work 90 percent of the time. What what do I tell a user went the other 10% of the time because they're not going to understand that. And their attitude as far as what what their reaction is to that question tells me a lot about how they approach the solution because one is, well, you know, they're just going to have to deal with it. And another is, well, we're going to help train the software better and help it get better so it's closer and help you explain to them that there are going to be things and we'll train it to fix it. Um, yeah, but yeah. but you don't get that with Siri. You just get that it doesn't work. It doesn't do what you want to do. And it doesn't do kind of things that you expect. Like if I say reply uh, after I've gotten a text message, but it's not like the immediate last thing that that happened, it has no idea. And it doesn't think to it doesn't have the context to go back and like find the last thing <laughs> that it could reply to. Right. And that's the kind of thing that. I, as somebody who's been using Siri for since it was released, kind of expect that it should be able to do with the sophisticated machine learning that that's there, and it, it still can't. So that that's when that frustration happens, and you think, well, this is something that doesn't seem that complicated. How are they going to do the more complicated things that Google's doing? Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, I think we got a lot of show to get to tonight. So even though I have more to say on this, I'm going to table my own thoughts, if that's okay with everyone. Yeah, that's fine right, by me right. yep. and fine by Squarespace, who are <laughs> sponsoring this episode of Disruption. Love Squarespace them. is the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com. Where else? Enter the offer code DISRUPTION at check out and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. So you probably have heard about Squarespace by now. It makes it super, super simple to create really awesome websites. So you got easy to use tools and templates. You can capture every detail of what drives you because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. That's what I always say every day when I wake up in the morning. Squarespace Mm -hmm. put all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, and whatever else you have to get stuck with. Uh, In fact, I had several different uh, URLs or domains rather come up for renewal. And some of those are tied into my Squarespace uh, websites. And so I 
was really easy for me to go in there and make those updates and make those changes. And I just, you know, do it every month. It, it comes up and it's, it's good to go. Uh, in fact, one of the podcasts that I do is hosted off Squarespace. So you can do all kinds of things with this awesome Sponsor, Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site and to ensure security and stability. So that way, if you're worried about somebody hacks in your site, you don't have to with Squarespace. Their site templates are stunning to look at. You got 24-7 support, and you can even stretch it further with their dev platform. So if you know like coding, if you, if you want to get in there and dig into the JavaScript and the CSS and the HTML, no problem. Just activate the dev platform and you can go in and tinker with everything you want. So how do you, how do you get signed up? Well, you sign up for a year. You're going to get a free domain name, so you can choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just 8 a month. I'm pretty sure I spend more money on socks in a month than I do on Squarespace. <laughs> so you really like socks. I, I do really like socks. I, I also spend more money on uh, peanut butter than I do on Squarespace every month. Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, because you total a will, because it's awesome, use the offer code disruption. You're going to get 10% off your first purchase. And of course, you'll be showing your support for all of us here at Disruption. Thank you so much to Squarespace. And thank you for supporting our network, Relay FM. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, we're talking censorship. <laughs> and this time we're talking about uh, alleged... You can't talk about that. This is right. I'm being censored. Uh, alleged censorship on YouTube. Uh, I'll be honest. When I first heard that YouTubers were complaining about being censored, I was a little bit uh, eye-rolly. Eye-rolling emoji, for sure. And then I started to read, uh, which is something you should do. Don't base things off of a headline. Definitely read, friends. Uh, I started to understand that uh, there maybe is something here. So just a, a quick summary before we dig into it. Basically, on YouTube, there are uh, advertisers who pay to have commercials and and you know little interstitials that pop up and things like that on the page, and then the YouTube creators get money from that. Well. Advertisers can choose to not have their ads display on certain videos if they feel like those videos kind of go against their brand or seem to be something that, you know, would upset them for whatever reason. It's, it's off brand. It's not our culture, what have you. Well, the problem is these YouTubers often make a bunch of money from like make their money rather that, you know, it's their career to be on YouTube. And so they are losing money. And the argument is because their videos are losing money. Money by not having these these ads, then they're having to ch make videos that are a little less out there, a little less raunchy, maybe a little less serious, or, or sorry, rather, a little more serious. And where it gets really kind of uh, gross, and the thing that kind of started to switch me from being eye roll emoji to oh my gosh emoji, is that uh, there were ads disabled on videos talking about depression, uh, perhaps because products didn't want to be associated with depression. And if you can't talk about depression because you will lose your livelihood, then I can start to see where this, this censorship concern comes up. So let's, let's dig in. I, I have so much to say about this. Um, you know, I am someone that 
literally when you use a Google product, you are you're participating with a company that has monetized my harassment and the harassment of a lot of women. Go onto YouTube and look up Brianna Wu. You're going to see a lot of slander. You're going to see defamation of my character. And we have worked our butts off to try to get them to take down videos just filled with blatant lies when I can't go, like, start 200 lawsuits, right? Um, and YouTube just doesn't care. And what gets me really frustrated about this this topic, Micah, is everyone I see talking about it just about is a straight white dude talking about censorship. Now, you found a few edge cases with depression, and I will give that to you. But there is a bigger problem here that YouTube has a really, really serious problem that's much bigger than Twitter with harassing content and with straight up um, videos like calling for the lynching of people. At my studio, we did an experiment. We got a bunch of different people together and we ran some cohorts um, and we found some videos that were very, very, very clear examples of hate speech. One was um, some white people calling for a very specific black public official to be lynched. Another one was outing a very specific uh, transgender person that was not out publicly against her will. And another one was uh, the exact same um, kind of like extremely uh, racist hate speech again towards a black person. And YouTube did nothing about it. They responded to none of them. So when they are taking the smallest steps to come forward and like look at the content and saying, gosh, should we have ads selling Dove soap before like spreading libel about Brianna Wu? Like maybe we should do something about that. And when the entire conversation gets hijacked by a lot of white tech journalists and a lot of white YouTubers, I'm frankly kind of frustrated about it today. And I'm I'm not trying to bring that to the show today, but I've I've been very disheartened by the conversation I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think yeah, that's really yeah, no, I yeah, think it's really yeah. well said. Well it's yeah. not is it actually censorship is is the first question I think that we need to discuss because you can still post whatever you want to. Yeah. You can still do it. There's just certain things that you're not going to get money for. That's it. So it's more of like a penalty <laughs> or, you know, like really you're just non you're non-monetizable if it's there. I think that because a bot is doing it, I think that there's definitely going to be a whole bunch of people having really honest discussions about things that are really important and they're not going to be able to say it because a bot will sanction like YouTube already like YouTube is ridiculously bad for taking down videos that are are fair use and other people using this maliciously. And so I think that that's going to be a huge problem for YouTube to have to deal with and because of the amount of videos that are already there, it's going to cause a lot of heat to everything. I think that that they did not go out straight and say we need to sanction hate speech and things that's malicious content on YouTube. It's not really bringing light to the points that you need to make when you're trying to have a video. Apple has been like, there's a whole bunch of um, applications that they do not let on the app store. And they've straight out and said, that's because we want this to be family friendly. And there's certain things that we do not want to support. They were like straight out and say, say, hate us, be angry at us, whatever you want to do. Where you want to change it to the squirt gun, the gun, and you know, like, and be angry about that. But at least they're straightforward in saying it, and then we can have an honest discussion on 
how we feel about this. Can I but say something, Georgia, just please. because I want to be factually accurate here? Um, Google has come out since this story came forward. And um, as have, has been you know, stated by other people like Total Biscuit, who I'm not exactly a fan of, nothing has changed in their policy here. The only thing that's changed is users' notification of it. So I, I agree that informing the people making the content is important. I just want to make sure we're you know putting accurate stuff out there. Right. In fact, they insist that not, that this has always been the case. It's just that now people are finding out about it because they're actually being notified, which adds an interesting twist to this whole thing. And I, I do want to make another quick note while we're kind of getting all the accuracy in place is it's also not confirmed whether this particular thing, the thing related to ads uh, being pulled from videos is bought versus human. Of course, the, the DMCA, uh, Google, whatever is, yeah. whatever, you know, a copyright problem is. However, this, it's not confirmed whether this is a, a bot doing it or if there actually can be a process through which a human can go in and say, nah, I don't want that on there. Well, I was just going to say, doesn't it ask you when you get that notification to request a manual review? So that would you can also do that, too. Yeah. Yes. But that would imply that the original one was not from a human if you're requesting a manual review after the fact. But that, that's just well, I think it yeah. is that how it's worded. Is it worded as a manual review or is it worded as a like reconsideration or, or I can't remember what the yeah. word was that they used. Uh, but again, the, I think that, you know, there's some there's some gray area here. I just want to make sure that all of the facts are out there. There's no no judge, right. no, no. Uh, yeah. What am I trying to say? No value judgment or, or right. anything like that. Yeah. Well, but see, Mike, this is where I think it, it's really worth looking at the history of of Google. Um, so if you've read, you know, In the Plex or Dogfight, both of which are excellent novels really going into to Google's history, I think a lot of people that are yelling about this in, you know, Gamergate HQ don't really know the history of Google. So they became the, one of the most powerful corporations in the world by getting AdSense to work. It was for, you know, pairing up people making bad web pages and serving up ads that were relevant to their interest along with it. Um, and then if you look at going into the YouTube era, um, one of the main principal things they had to solve as they were putting together YouTube were DMCA takedowns because people would just put up entire movies and then they would have to take that down. An entire very complicated legal framework had to be worked out as well as a technical framework. So, Steve, I think because you and I are more on the engineering side, I think you and I can probably look at this and say, I don't expect it to be right right out of the gate. Yeah. I understand there are going to be errors. They're going to improve upon it. And when you know about the history of Google, I have no doubt that things are not being done perfectly right now. But Google, their entire way they make money is by monetizing stuff. So it's in their interest to monetize as much as they can. So I, it just... I, I've, I have a lot of faith that it's going to be solved. And the last point I'll make, I'll turn it over to you guys, is, you know, here at Relay, I just, I'm going to be straight with you. Christina swears like a freaking sailor, and we get, <laughs> we have so many conversations with Relay about it, and they've been like, Bree, we can't keep you on the uncensored feed if you don't get Christina and Simone to stop swearing. And I'm like, I'm not even joking. We have. You're like, have you tried to control Christina? There's no one that <laughs> yeah, controls Christina. Exactly. exactly. No one I controls can't. Christina. Don't I even. Can't do don't this. even. 
But my point is, like, we're professional network here. Like, the four of us have had conversations about, is this appropriate for our show? We're a family show. We have standards that we hold ourselves to. When you're producing professional content, to a certain extent, like, you know, Squarespace doesn't get a, a, you know, a check on what we produce here. But we want to make sure we produce a show that Squarespace would be very proud to stand behind. Mm-hmm. That's called just being a freaking professional. And when you your your content is supported by ads, I'm sorry, this is the adult world, and that's a consideration adults have to think about. Sorry. You know, there's a tendency to take these types of things very personally when it's obviously a robot that's doing it, and it's it's not a personal thing. But I, I think they're, the only thing that you could say... You know, these are people who built their livelihoods on Google's platform, which is their decision. And that's generally not, you know, not always a great decision. Just ask anyone who's built a Twitter app in the last five years. Um, But I think that if Google's going to be affecting people's revenue, they probably need to enhance the notifications, at least to give people a better idea of why their things are being taken down because that mm-hmm. then we just start with the whole speculation train that that happens to be going on now and ultimately they they really want to be transparent as possible and i think that's where the problem is is that when a punishment feels arbitrary or you can't understand exactly why something happened you can't change and you can't do something different the next time. Whether or not you lash out is then on you. But if you don't actually know exactly what it is that caused that thing to get tripped, it's hard for you to to change to not trip that in the future. I think that's very well said. <laughs> Georgia, do you have anything yeah. to add? I know you do. Yeah, I was gonna. Ho- I was hoping you were gonna tell us all about how brains work and and how arbitrary punishment makes people sad. <laughs> Well, the problem is, is that they allowed this in the first place. And so now everyone has a certain amount of expectation that this is something that they're allowed. And then suddenly, you know, daddy swoops in and says, you can't do this anymore. Oh, and makes oh, everyone oh. else angry because. <laughs> because... Don't, don't appropriate daddy <laughs> Sorry. culture. Georgia. 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 Come on. Do you want to see our advertising revoked? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Come on. everywhere. I'm not saying you're like Google. Um <laughs> But that, you know, someone swoops in and says, you can no longer do this. And it makes everyone feel uneasy because it wasn't something that was stated from the beginning. And I think that they're doing it more about revenue than they're doing it because of the greater good, which bothers me on a, you know, justice type of level and in ethics, though they're a business company and I can understand that as well. And I get that point to it. So... You know, we'll we'll have to see how well it's arbitrary. I think that the dangerous part is that there could be really important discussions that people could have. And yeah, you can do it on a different platform or yeah, you can do it without having any monetization that will go to that. But I also don't want people to be so careful with the words that they use that they can no longer express differing opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, again, where the art, where the lack of information comes into play, because then you have people making videos saying, well, I guess I can't report on the news anymore because that's in 
violation of these rules when maybe that's not what it is and maybe there's something specific that they did or some specific phrase that they use that caused that filter to trip but without giving Mm -hmm. them more of those specifics then you start ending up with these storylines of well google doesn't want youtubers to report on news or they're going to flag it as not ad eligible I'll, I just, I have to say, like, if you haven't seen a Dove ad play right before video talking about Brianna Wu's the ugliest, most horrible person on earth, like, it would feel a little personal to you. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to see them. I'm glad to see them taking some of this personally because YouTube is terrible. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> if it makes them be more careful about what they say and what they put up online, and maybe if they're, if the line is that far over that they are super careful and to not potentially disrupt their revenue, then maybe that ultimately is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And in a (laughs) boils down to here in the United States in this capitalist society, ultimately a company gets to decide where the money goes and where it doesn't. And uh, we can rail and what is it? Rage against the machine. But uh, really, what what else can we do in Soviet Union? YouTube plays you. (laughs) We we should we should talk about this awesome (gasps) customer support service called HelpSpot. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by HelpSpot. If you deal with any kind of customer support, you need HelpSpot. Trust me. HelpSpot is the most comprehensive and flexible help desk software around. With HelpSpot, you can let your customers reach you however they choose. Email, web, phone, it doesn't matter. HelpSpot will be the central place for all of your customer support needs. You can turn disjointed email exchanges into meaningful conversations with your customers. You can get a quick view of any trends relating to your support requests. So, you know, if something continues to break, uh, thinking of you was that recent Android phone that came out where there are all the problems with it, then they could start to see that trend a lot earlier, and then they can fix it. And real-time reporting to see exactly what's happening with your support. HelpSpot has everything you need. They even help you easily create a self-service portal, so you can give your customers all the knowledge base articles they need, so they can help themselves, you know. Teach, teach a person to fish instead of giving them the fish. Give them HelpSpot. As you would expect, HelpSpot is a service that they can host for you. So you can, but, but, but if you want to, you can also run HelpSpot on your own server. So you're going to get source code, you're going to get access to everything, APIs, and that's where you can, you can tie in some awesome automation. So if you use like Slack or something like that, you can tie in HelpSpot with your Slack app. Put simply, uncomplicated pricing that includes everything you need for your help desk. With HelpSpot, you'll get unlimited tickets, mailboxes, custom fields, reports, and knowledge bases, all for one simple price with no hidden extras or complicated tiers. HelpSpot is not a flash-in-the-pan company. HelpSpot's been around doing this for over 12 years, and they're going to be there when you need them. HelpSpot is free. Yes, that's right. I said free for up to three users and super inexpensive for larger teams. Better still, you're going to get an additional 10% off for life. What did you say? For life? Yeah, for life when you sign up with the code DISRUPTION. So go to HelpSpot.com slash disruption. You're going to start 
start a trial today or sign up for a free one and demo it to learn more about how HelpSpot can serve your support team. Again, 10% off for life. Thank you so much to HelpSpot for helping all of us out and your support of this show and all of Relay FM. And let me just add on to that because I like a help desk software is something that I have to touch every day and have for a long time being in IT. And let me tell you the difference between a good help desk solution and a bad one is you can't even estimate it. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, like, honestly, like updating tickets is the last thing that developers want to be doing when they're trying to squash bugs. They want to be getting into code. They want to be fixing things. You want this to be as as easy to use as possible and being able to build a knowledge base for users so that they don't have to put in a ticket in the first place is like the holy grail. So this is a lot of good stuff. And if you are managing software that you need to manage bugs, you really want some good help desk um, software. And this is a fantastic deal. Just speak for yourself, Steve. I, I love like when I get customer support tickets, I love messing with their software. And I just I I the longer I sit there in the database, like, oh okay, they used four curse words. Let me let me just type this up here. Uh, and and not do my job. It's it's just it makes me really happy. So you know, I just want to say other perspectives exist. Okay. Dumb that, ones. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, Thank you so much, HelpSpot. And uh, let's talk about some other perspectives like those from our dear listeners. Uh, we, d- we haven't gotten any voicemails in a while, so we should make sure to let call you know that you can, also call, you can also call these in to our voicemail line, which is at 508-418-3532. Um, or you can uh, tweet the hashtag DisruptMe or uh, send a DM to underscore DisruptionFM. Or you can email us from the contact page on the website. Uh, most of these came in through Twitter, uh, but you can also call your voice on the show if you if you are so inclined. Okay. Steve, before you read the question, before you read the question, okay, at the end of the question, every single question, I want you to say, unleash the Georgia Dow, and then let her do it <laughs> every single time. I want to be our catchphrase. So let's try okay. it. Okay. So, uh, so we, got a, <laughs> we got a DM from um, Stephylicious who says, uh, lately I feel like I've been isolating myself from a lot of my friends due to a buildup of depression and anxiety, mostly due to the terrible state of the world. Um, I've been... What I'd like to ask is if you all have any advice on how to deal with these feelings. Um, Do you have any advice on how I can regain some semblance of optimism for the future? Thanks from your friend Stephylicious, and sorry for the swearing, I'm Australian. Uh, Unleash the Georgia Dow. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the, the first thing that, that I would recommend for you to do is stay away from social media and news. It's I'm not even being facetious. It's one of those things that it's really stressful. We used to not, the world used to be a much more dangerous place. We just didn't know it because we didn't get news from halfway across the world immediately on our network. And Unfortunately, news that is frightening to us or clickbait-ish will cause us to click it and it'll get more views. And because of that, our news becomes predominantly negative. And so you want to stay away from that. It does have an effect to us. It's one of those things of a secondary trauma, even if you weren't there. And the closer 
you are to, to news and the more that you consume that, the more that it can have effect on your own psyche. So you want to do less of that. A lot of people are like, no, but I want to know and it's important for me to find out. Your health comes first, period. It's the same thing that I would tell to someone if they had health anxiety and it was causing a detrimental effect. You just cannot, to you, you cannot search for health-related items on the internet or talk about it or look up reading journals because until you get past that, it's going to be more of a detrimental effect than a good effect. And the second thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want to do the inverse. So when you consume a lot of negative information or things that are distressing to you or angering to you, the circuitry in your brain of negativity, of worry and anxiety all fire together. And the more that you do something, the stronger those firings become. So what you would want to do is you're going to do the opposite. You'd want to consume only materials that make you feel better. Surround yourself with people that make you laugh, make you feel light. Go outside, be with nature or do art or play. Anything that you enjoy. But you do have to slowly increase your bubble because anxiety takes makes you want to go further and further into the cave and you're going to want to do less and less you're going to be less trusting of people you're going to be less uh, more easily agitated and upset and reactive and so you need to start the opposite effect happening and so yes you're going to have to take a risk do it in small tiny steps get out there and yes of course if it is something that you cannot deal with on your own it's a perfectly good solution to find someone that you're comfortable with to be able to help you through that journey. Very well said. Uh, the, the one thing I was going to note is I took a, a few media classes that kind of crossed over into psychology. It was like media and psychology, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things we learned about was mean world syndrome. And it's basically what you've described. When you have instant access to everything across the, the world and you can know that these things are happening where they're happening, you suddenly feel overwhelmed and you think like everything is happening right next door. And, you know, we know that every so many seconds someone passes away. And the thing is, the news often is going to let you know that that's happening here, there, and elsewhere. And so you start to take on this impression that the world is more dangerous and, and it's terrifying and you have to be scared and locked away. So that was also what the what, what the media professor said as well. Uh, you, you just got to get away from it. And it's not necessary to know necessarily what's happening in in you know a given country if it's not going to affect you other than to worsen your mental health i think that's well said yeah. um i mean is there any value to having like a a source of news that is like a unicorn chaser type of thing like how like like let's say that micah is reading all about uh, how the world's going to come to end tomorrow and then he flips over to a video channel of reviews of socks <laughs> you know, for instance, like, is is that something that that it's, you know, just curating something like that for those types of scenarios? Does that help at all? Or, Well, it depends on what level of anxiety you're at. Right. So if you're saying, you know, I'm already not able to go outside, I'm feeling a really negative effect. Why add a little bit more negativity just to balance it out with some positivity versus just doing something positive? It's 
the same process of saying like a little bit of a bad thing. Well, it's okay. I'm going to do a little good thing as well. If you're really wanting to learn a new skill, you need to practice that. And you want to, if you want to stop doing something else, you want to do that the least amount possible. And so if you do happen to come across something, because you're never going to be able to curate everything in your life to make it happy and fluffy and okay. And this would only be to a time period. This doesn't mean that you would never be able to go back to watching news and dealing with it. It would only be until your anxiety goes back to a manageable level and that you are aware of certain articles and things that may make you feel more hurt than something else or more upset than something else that it might be. And so, yeah, if, if that happens, it's great to have some sort of eye bleach that you can be like, okay, I'm going to cleanse with, you know, bunnies because I love bunnies. That will help. <laughs> but it is better if you go into it saying, you know what, I need to get away from something because it's doing damage to me psychologically. And people don't give respect to psychological damage, which is ridiculous because it is. It really does physically cause you pain. I mean, the the hundreds of threatening, angry tweets have gotten for years now. I I know it's damaged me, and I mean, you know, George, I don't mean to speak psychology, but I've I've read a lot of stuff um, on the subject. And your brain uh, creates pathways the same way that, like, if you walk through the woods and you step over something, um, you know, like branches aren't going to grow there. Your brain works the exact same way. So if you're constantly hooking up negative thoughts, um, you know, that's the way your brain is going to become to operate. So, you know, I'm someone, uh, you know, I work, uh, I write pieces because I feel very strongly about informing the public. Uh, but Georgia, you're dead on that. It can be very negative and it can impact you. And, you know, for me, um, the reason I periodically go on Twitter diets is because I do feel that negativity reshaping me. Um, if you've noticed, I've been sunnier and happier lately on podcasts. It's because the verification feature and quality feature is so much better. So yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, just don't... you. You know, ultimately, like global warming is something that makes me want to cry every time I think about it, but I can't do anything about it. So, you know, I try to not make myself miserable about it. So yeah. there it is. Um, okay, so the next question that we have comes from Juan, who says, I was wondering if Brie has any religious influences in her work. Hope this isn't too personal of a question. No, I think um, it's it's a question. I appreciate it because nobody asks me this very often. Um, you know, I grew up in the South. Uh, you know, I do still consider myself Presbyterian. I do see the the serious issues with you know organized religion, but you know, ultimately, I I struggled with this a lot as a kid, and you know, it's like um, I was programmed one way growing up to believe in something. And even though I really see some problems with the way, you know, religion treats gay people and the way that I don't think we really make taking care of the poor a priority, um, and I don't think we love one another, like, ultimately, I can't help but believe in X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't talk about it a lot publicly uh, because I think that's between, you know, me and, you know, the forces I perceive out there. But um, I would say that, 
you know, I, I do take standing up for others, you know, helping the poor. Um, you know, if you see me passionate about politics, it's, um, it's something that is really informed by that. I gave an hour long Newsweek to Milo about Milo to uh, Newsweek today. And, you know, I didn't sit there and blast him for an hour about how evil I think he is. When it comes out, it's going to be, I feel a lot of empathy for him because he's clearly hurting and I, I feel sorry for him. You know, that's very much a turn the other cheek perspective. So I'm not going to pretend to live up to it. Great. Like I fail every day, but that's very much part of who I am. Um, okay. So the last question that we have um, for today is from Gabe who said on episode 85 of rocket Bree mentioned a discussion she had with Georgia about trigger warnings um, that said, and, and he's quoting you, Bree, saying, uh, Georgia Dow is not the most incendiary person you're going to meet in your life. I sat down with talk, and talked with her about this, and she's like, trigger warnings do not do any good. They eventually do psychological harm. There's a lot of science that backs it up. <sighs> I was surprised to hear that trigger warnings apparently cause psychological harm. Would very much, very much appreciate it if Georgia could elaborate this on this. Thank you. Can I can I just clarify sure. what I said on sure. Rocket? Because um, I was remembering a conversation that we had back when Maddie was on the show, and trigger warnings came up. And as I remember this, Georgia, and I could be wrong, um, Maddie was very much for trigger warnings, and you're like, well, you know, I'm not really sure they can cause some damage in some ways. And then Maddie kind of talked over you and you didn't get to finish your thought. Um, so I kind of supplemented that with some of my own research on the subject that um, I'm not against trigger warnings. I am not convinced that science is there to prove that they are effective. They, this is between you and a therapist, ultimately. So please go ahead, Georgia. Yeah, I like it's it's not. I, I think that psychological damage is probably. Uh, and I I've actually I wrote an email <laughs> to get on it, and it's like, well, no, I I didn't actually say psychological damage in in it specifically. That was me paraphrasing, and it was being mm-hmm. probably more more strongly suited to it. But I think that there's something to be said for setting people up to say that this is going to traumatize you, which could cause trauma to you by saying, or right away when you go to a dentist and the dentist says, you know what, this might hurt, or don't worry, this is not going to hurt. Right away you think, wait a second, is this going to hurt? And I think that we need to look at the things that wound us and also try to heal them on our own, not expect that the entire world is going to heal all of our wounds to that. That being, because, I'll, I'll go through why, because I think that that's something that could be controversial if you don't think about it in a more deep manner. To have to rely on the world to fit into your mold, then you're giving a lot of control to the world and less control to you. And I believe in, in self-empowerment and trying to really look at ourselves and in an honest, reflective manner, as honestly as we can, because we all lie to ourselves. That's what we do. But to try to look at why did something happen and, and actually work on that. If you've gone through something that was very traumatic for you, I think that you deserve to be able to work through that and help yourself heal to it. And I think that trigger warnings are a nice way for people to be able to gloss over things and say, well, I did something and not really having done anything to heal a greater issue that may be at hand. I think that for some things, trigger warnings are beneficial. If you're going to have something that's going to be exceptionally incendiary or could be very damaging to someone that's gone through something, 
just to let people know that this may be difficult to go through. I think that that's a fair statement to that, but I think that people use it and paint it with a very wide brush, and I think that that may not be helpful. I don't think that we should try to infantize people or ourselves, and sometimes it can be used towards that. And so I'm not really against them. I just think that we need to have a little bit more of a discussion to what is our society, how are we going to really be all feeling like we're included, and this seems like one of those band-aid effects that we can do something that's quick and makes everyone feel good, but there's a whole bunch of issues that underlie that that may not be looked at. Yeah. Is that like, does anyone understand? No, I, I, I think it completely backs up my experience. And, you know, I, I struggle with this a lot. Like I was in therapy uh, yesterday, um, you know, with the PTSD specialist. And I was talking to her about how much I saw a, um, a scene of a child being abused in a movie I went to recently. It just sent me into outer space in my hands started shaking. I couldn't even hold the popcorn. And she's just like, look, you just leave. Right. So I think, you know, I, I really agree with your, your point though, Georgia, that I, I loved what you said about you can't, you're giving a lot of power to the world if you expect it to kind of work for you about this. And you know, my message on this isn't to blast anyone that feels trauma about this. Like I'm right there with you. I get it. Um, but as I understand it, um, just constantly avoiding isn't a good strategy. In fact, it's a, a symptom of this. And I think ultimately, like there's a myriad of tactics that work for you. Like I had to work for a long time to find a therapist that would help me start dialing this down. But it's something you need to work with your therapist about, not your journalist at your <laughs> local paper. Um, that said, you know, however anyone in academia wants to prep their students, that's their prerogative, right? Which in some ways can be helpful so that you know going in what might be there. Sure. Well. But I will say for me personally, um, I've thought about this issue a lot. And um, I choose to not use them in my work um, after a lot of debate. And it's because I don't think the science is there to show that they work, um, that they do anything constructive. And um, I just, I think in a medium like Twitter, it's just wasting space. So, um, you know, that's my choice as someone that does writing. Uh, how much is this also is the, the kind of the, the thing that happens with anything psychological where it gets used to the point where it starts to lose meaning, like where mm -hmm. it kind of like anything that could be moderately upsetting, somebody puts mm -hmm. it as a trigger warning because you might get triggered and you might get a little bit offended or something. And, and, and without understanding what a PTSD being triggered actually means, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, when when you're when someone's triggered and they're, you know, under a legitimate circumstance like that's not it's not like you being a little bit upset by something that you read on the internet too. It's, right. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, is that yeah. also kind of contributing to some of the backlash against it? I think so. I think that it, it's a word that, that often gets used when someone gets upset, you know, yeah. that upset me. And so they'll, they'll use that word to it. And well, and, and so I just wanted, I mean, even now people use it jokingly too. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. heard people yeah. say that as a joke yeah, and I have that's when lot. you kind of know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And and then it, it makes it, you know, I, I was doing a, a show with uh, Megan Maroney and I, I say I was talking about psychological triggers, like the which for when I used it in my practice, it was something that causes you a high level of very quick anxiety. So it's like a, on an anxiety scale, we figure out what are the things that cause that. And it now becomes difficult even when I'm discussing that because because it's become this common culture of people using it in this watered-down manner that people have a misunderstanding of what I mean when I'm talking about something that causes you a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And so it you know, makes me have to use more words in my sessions to be able to explain what I have a meaning to that. I think that in, in the good way, people are trying to be more conscientious, some people are trying to be more conscientious with what they say and what that effect has on other people. But I think that it can also be a way of trying to shut people down and censure and in other ways to belittle people that may have a level of anxiety to something that is a post-traumatic stress. And then someone else is like, well, yes, well, mine as well. You know, I'm bothered by the word um, moist or something else <laughs> that may be bothering to them. And so it's good that we're having the dialogue. But yes, I, I agree with what your point is with that, Steve. Can, can I say one last thing on this? Um, and uh, Micah, I would love to know your thoughts on this because you're a millennial. And I'm, let me try really hard not to millennial bash as I say this. But I, I think that... I, I think that the conversation has erroneously become about... PTSD and, and triggers. And I have to say, as someone that really suffers from this in an intense way, um, I almost feel resentful when I see it used very cavalierly. I feel like it belittles um, just how serious this is. But, and I've thought about this so much and I've realized it's not fair. So I think, I think that when people are talking about trigger warnings, I think that it's like a, a changing cultural norm. And I just think that, you know, Steve, you and I are about the same age. We grew up in an era where there were, you know, when UPN came on, there were four networks. And, you know, do you remember when CNN came on? And that was huge. Um, you know, we grew up in an age where we were presented with information that we may or may not have liked. Um, and I think a cultural difference for millennials is I think, and I, I'm not meaning this as a dig, I'm just saying I think this is a, a, an effect, that this is a generation that generally speaking um, is generally presented information that they agree with. And I think that to some degree, the part of the brain that is tolerant to things that you may not agree with, I think that is just not I think that socially it's just not as much there. I don't think it's their fault. I don't think it's moral failing. I think it's like you grow someone up in this environment and this is how they're going to feel. So I've tried to change it in my mind as more of like, um, well, this is a shifting politeness thing, right? Like um, in just for this generation, giving them a heads up and saying, you know, we're going to be talking about rape. This just makes them feel more comfortable. And it's a, it's a change in the communication style. And we would all agree that it's helpful to send messages in a way someone is, is going to be able to hear it. So I try to reframe it in my mind that way. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Micah? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair, and I think that you are uh, 
you know, quite right about that because a lot of people do. Uh, I mean, it's been proven that your Facebook is often filled with the exact things that you want to hear and and see. And it's so funny. And Georgia, hopefully you won't diagnose me uh, when I say this, but I have kind of taken instead of the little cricket on my shoulder it's georgia on my shoulder and she's constantly <laughs> saying cognitive dissonance anytime i come across something that i'm like oh this is upsetting me because it's saying that uh black lives don't matter and only you know that all lives matter and black lives don't matter or anything anything that you know goes against what i believe in and it's you know the easier thing to do would be to just go away from that article and then Georgia's like cognitive dissonance and I'm like all right I'll read it I'll finish it Georgia and I think that it is important uh we we do we do get surrounded with things that are the things we get that we agree with because we are curators more than we've ever been able to be in the past I think and so I agree with you on that but Uh, but my message here isn't let's bash millennials like they didn't ask for Facebook to be invented I think like maybe a way that would have frame this more efficiently is like this is better communication for this generation is to kind of get them you know prepped for stuff like that's my message so yeah Yeah. and I agree with that I want to say too uh, I think that when it comes to something like the, the phrase trigger warning different people have unfortunately taken on different definitions of that. And I'm talking about people that aren't just using it as a joke, which it's a terrible joke to be making, but there are people, it's the same thing how we used to say that, I don't know, things, or the, my OCD is really getting to me. And I think that's becoming more taboo now. Now it seems like a lot of people want to joke about, or not even joke about, but flippantly say they have PTSD and that they needed a trigger warning for blah, 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 blah. And that that shift in what is appropriate for a large swath of the population, it, it's it's a change. And it's not something that I personally agree with. In fact, every time I hear uh, PTSD, I, I still cringe. It, it's the same thing as, you know, growing up, I would hear people use gay as a synonym for stupid or other words that shouldn't be used in the way that they were being used. And, you know, that, that still makes me cringe. At the same time, it is happening a lot, and a lot of people don't even know what those words actually really mean and maybe have never had a family member who's experienced PTSD and, you know, what that actually is. So that, that's also a change. I think that when an issue starts to become normalized, people often use it and use it in a way that it is not intended. But... I think that one of the reasons for that is that people are more aware of different psychological issues, and at least we're speaking about them, and they're becoming something that is okay and not taboo to speak about or even to say that I have this. And so I think that though it is often used in the wrong way and it can make people that are really dealing with it feel like you don't understand and you're demeaning what I'm dealing with, which is a bad thing, at least it is not something that is... Um, if you are dealing with this, there's something wrong with you and I want to stay away from you because I'm scared of you. Because that was the way that mental illness was dealt with for a vast amount of time in our culture. Like most of the time in our culture, actually. <laughs> and that's really bad. And I think that even when people use trigger warning 
for, you know, something or a scene. I think that they're trying to be sensitive to that. And I, I don't want to malign people that are trying to do the right thing. And sometimes it's not going to work out to that. I do think that we should be appreciative, at least that they're attempting to make others feel comfortable or let them know that we're going to be discussing things that may make some people uncomfortable or may, if you have dealt with this, because everyone has completely different things that would trigger or upset or anger them. We're not all the same. We do not play by the same rule book. And so what may bother one person may completely not bother someone else. And that's also something that we need to be aware of. It may not be that somebody might not want to interact with something if there's a warning on it, but just be prepared that it's there. And so it's like if you know that the jump scare is coming, it's not as bad as if it just gets you out of nowhere by surprise. So I'm still going to scream. It's sometimes worse when I know the jump scream is coming (laughs) because I will I still it does not stop screaming. I let people know I'm going to scream and I scream really loud. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know, if you watch a horror film with me, guys, I'm sorry. I, I like horror films. But yes. I do too, yes. but I scream and loudly. See, I think horror <laughs> films are so much fun and uh, somebody, somebody I care about a lot doesn't want to ever go see horror films with me because somebody doesn't like horror films. <sighs> yeah. So I don't really, I, I don't, I actually don't have very many friends who like horror films. So oh, I, I, I love horror living, films, can, right? I must be can, living in the wrong place. We can do a place. movie night at my place when you guys come down yeah. and we can uh, watch something scary. And, yeah, and then play VR. Like a Trump acceptance speech. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or, or the Pound Puppies cartoon. Oh. Wait, what? I've never <laughs> seen that. I don't know. Okay. Or, okay. or you know, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm Is it like a Teletubby? <laughs> yes, scary. like a Teletubby. Yeah, Teletubbies, Teletubbies would be, are really scary. Or Caillou. That's, oh my I gosh, Caillou, Caillou is a terrifying. Scary. Oh, Caillou's oh, terrifying. No. That is a terrifying child. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You you watch the Rock and Roll Caillou episode ten times in a row on loop, <laughs> and you tell me that it's not terrifying because I will assure you that it is. I don't even know why it ever gets played. I have this feeling that it's like one of those ancient uh, chanting, like spell type things, where when it gets played in the house, it immediately turns all of your kids into terrible, vicious creatures. Caillou is just like I don't know. He's like he possesses people with darkness of being a brat yeah. and you just live your terrible twos until you're 12. So anyway, if you would, <laughs> anyway, that's Caillou. That. <laughs> and if you'd like to get in touch, Steve mentioned it earlier. You can call us at five zero eight four one eight three five three two. We could use some voicemails. We haven't had any in a while. You can also get a hold of us on Twitter at underscore disruption FM, or you can just tweet with the hashtag disrupt me. If you'd rather, you know, keep it personal, just send us a direct message and do please uh note whether you would like to have your name or your twitter handle said on the show we'll default to not saying them but if you're like i don't care you could say my twitter handle then we'll do that uh so yeah please go review the show on itunes because that does help us out you can find the show notes with all the goody good links at relay.fm slash disruption thanks so much to relay for being awesome and all of you out there who subscribe 
subscribe and care about us so much and are members of of Relay and our show, thank you. Thank you so much. Truly, it's uh, it's been great with the anniversary of Relay happening and, and just seeing all of the support that's out there. So I just wanted to give that shout out. You can find me on Twitter at Micah Sargent. And Steve, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, under my couch hiding from Caillou. Or you can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good. Bree, where can people find you? Well, apparently, while we were doing the show, Donald Trump has been saying something about taco trucks being out everywhere in the streets. Oh, so taco trucks, taco. taco trucks are trending on Twitter right now, taco. and I'm hungry. Oh, I'm hungry too. I'm gonna, so you can get me at your local taco truck. I apparently. love tacos. I They're love tacos. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. seriously, tacos. taco trucks are the best kind of trucks. Like That's, right in yeah. front of ice cream trucks. If you've got to drive a truck, it should be a taco truck. I mean, it either should be a taco truck or a monster truck, one or the other. Could we have a monster taco truck? Oh, my God. Yes. And the tacos are also monstrous. Right. Right. And then you can write Space Cat Gal on the side of your taco truck. Nice. Nice. I like that. That was good. That was good. Yeah. And, And Georgia. Uh, underscore where can people find you oh well actually i got a whole bunch of emails which i loved last time so i think some people don't use twitter so you can actually find me on email at georgia at i-m-o-r-e at imore.com and you can send me an email instead and if you're dealing with anxiety depression um, boundaries consequences issues parenting sleep whatever it might be you can check out anxiety-videos.com well, if you want to send me a letter, here here's my home address. No, wait, I want. I probably never mind. Did you just I, like I, rag on me for being uncool? Was that? No, I was trying to one up you. I thought that I was like, uh, so you put out your email and you get a bunch of emails. So maybe I need to step it up. What's more personal than email? What's more personal I think the than next email? step is, I guess, going over to number. Micah's house. Your number and then my address. I do have a P.O. box, but I'm not giving it out. All right, oh, well. Steve, you we should probably We would have sent you tell. socks, too, but no. Oh, uh, yeah, but then I open it up to get, like, weird feet things or something. I uh, Anyway, Steve, <laughs> can you can you make everybody go away before go, I say something go, I regret? Go away. Go write Georgia an email. Go. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> go to the taco truck. Go to the yeah. taco truck. <laughs> Send us pictures of you next to a taco truck.